Welcome back to Roleplay Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lightheart Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Today's guest is Kendra, the owner and creator of The Fabled Flame, which is an Etsy store where she creates and sells D20-shaped candles. They are gorgeous with really unique scents, and they could even have a D20 hidden inside. We talk about all sorts of fun things like the logistics of creating candles in batches, fulfillment techniques, marketing and organizational struggles, and a whole lot more. Like I said, this is meant to be a business podcast, so (laughs) hopefully you find that kind of stuff interesting, but this was a really fun conversation with Kendra, and I'm really excited to introduce you to her today. Before we dive into that, though, I have decided that I'm going to start throwing in some updates into these intros as well. I figure that since this is meant to be a podcast where we dive into some of the business side of things, why not briefly tell you about some of the things that we're doing in our own business? Um, If you don't know what I mean by the Lightheart world, my husband Brenton and I run a small tabletop RPG company called Lightheart Adventures. Brenton is the artist behind it all and creates free monthly adventures for a variety of games, not just D&D. He is a battle map cartographer, and he blogs weekly about all sorts of super fun things like game master tips, product reviews, world building, and really whatever he feels like talking about that week. (laughs) I get to run all the super fun behind the scenes stuff. uh, And of course, now I'm doing this podcast. Okay, so what are some of the fun updates that I wanted to tell you? There's two for today's episode. The first is that since we started this podcast, we actually revamped our Patreon. So we now have six different tiers with basically three tracks. There's one track for folks that are just interested in Brenton's maps and adventures. Uh, It's very similar to the way that our Patreon was set up before. There's a new track that is for those of you who are just interested in this podcast. And then there's a third track for those of you who like all of it, just want all of the things. So all of the tracks are going to start off with the same tier, Dabbler number one. It's basically an informational tier. It's going to let you vote in polls, participate in discussions. It will also let you find out who I'm going to be interviewing ahead of time and ask questions or let me know what kind of information you want me to talk to our upcoming interviewees about. Then the merchant Track is the one that's going to be more based around the podcast, and the adventure track will be for the people who want adventures <laughs> and maps. Um, so, not going to talk about the adventure track per se um, on this little intro, but for the merchant, there's two levels. The first one is going to involve a super secret feed of shorter episodes where I will talk about different things that we are trying out in our business. So it'll be things that worked, things that completely bombed, etc. Um, I'm definitely going to accept patron requests on topics for this as well. So if there is something that you want to know what we've tried and kind of what our thoughts are, uh, let me know. And I will include that in the patron feed. Then the level two merchant is also going to include a shout out about you and something cool that you may be working on. So if you want to find out more details about all of that, you can find us at patreon.com slash lightheartadventures. So then the second announcement that I want to throw in here today is that we actually have a brand new publication on DMs Guild. If you are a D&D fan, you're probably familiar with the newer publication, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So Brenton spent the last several weeks drawing 18 different battle maps as a companion pack for the Necropolis of Ythrin, which I'm told is chapter seven. Uh, He won't let me read the book as he plans on running the campaign soon, and I'll be a part of that. Uh, So that's basically all that I'm allowed to know. But I do know that his maps are gorgeous. There's one with a telescope, and I love it. It's pretty great. Uh, This is the first pack that we have published for sale in a while, but we're both really excited about it. You can find the link to that pack in the show notes or just look up Lightheart Adventures the next time that you are on DMs Guild. Okay, that's enough for announcements. This intro has been pretty long already. So just as a quick reminder, we are affiliates with two really great companies within the tabletop RPG community. 
If you want delicious D&D themed coffee, then you need to check out Found Familiar. My favorite flavor is Inspiration. If you're on the hunt for more dice, then I definitely recommend that you check out Dice Envy. You can listen to episode one to learn more about Dice Envy and their founder. Uh, But for both companies, if you use the code LIGHTHEARTADV, you'll get 10% off of your order. I really do love both of these companies. Uh, That's why we are affiliates with them. So I really hope that you check them out. Again, use that code LIGHTHEARTADV to get 10% off of your order. All right, without further ado, you have definitely listened to me talk enough. So let's go meet Kendra. Today, we are chatting with Kendra, the owner and creator behind a really amazing Etsy store called The Fabled Flame. So Kendra, can you just start by telling us a little bit about who you are and kind of how you got into gaming? Sure. Well, I guess as far as like gaming goes, um, it's been a part of my life for pretty much as long as I can remember. My parents played, my my dad was in the military, so they would find D&D groups, you know, whatever base they were, they were stationed on and things. So my, as far, uh, my earliest memories of Dungeons and Dragons is, you know, going with my parents to whatever friend's house they had, and they would all sit around the table playing and um, I'd hang out with whoever's kids were there. Then as I got, as I got older, I, you know, I'd look through their, their one books and read the monsters and the classes and all that stuff. Although, because my parents promised me I could play D&D, I wasn't allowed to read the DMG. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, the player's handbook, monster manual, anything I get my hands on, as far as that goes, they had tons of, you know, uh, Forgotten Realms books, you know, back when it was with TSR and all that. So, and then um, eventually, like when I turned 13, they said I could play and they DM'd games and I've been playing on and off ever since. If you remember, what was your first character? It, she was a human wizard um, and lawful neutral because I I made a, a rule follower, basically. So that that was my first one, and she was fun. Um, definitely a stickler for whatever laws or rules were in place, and that's how it had to be, and that's what we did. And yeah, so she was. That was my first. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about now? What are you playing these days? Well, we haven't really been able to play much since COVID hit because we were setting aside a weekend day for friends to come over and us to play. My husband DMs. But he doesn't like doing it online. So everything's been kind of on a standstill right now. But we play 5e. And we were pretty much at the end of a short story, um, a short game anyways, getting ready for a longer campaign. So once we once we can safely gather again, I plan on playing a wild magic sorceress. But what's fun about her, and I cannot wait to play this, she's 80 years old, but she didn't have she didn't discover that she was a sorceress until until basically her husband died of old age they'd run an inn forever um and then when he passed away in it in her grief that's when she had her first wild magic surge took place and it de-aged her back to back to you know her mid-20s so now she has a second chance to be the adventurer she always wanted to be so that's my next character that's a really cool concept. I'm really excited for it. She's going to be like the granny of the party. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. So, how about making candles? How did you get into that? So that's a funny story. I was really um, into theater when I was younger, and I was a part of a startup theater company that I had founded along with another friend at the time, and. We, it was focusing a lot on melodrama, which is a really fun over the top form of theater. And we were combining it with dinner theater. And we decided that we wanted to have like raffle prizes for, um, for guests, you know. So we decided we would make candles. And he taught me how to make candles. And I loved it so much. I just started doing it ever since doing it for like Christmas and and birthdays and things like that um, after I'd left that theater company. 
And then my brother gave me an ice mold from Think Geek. And I was like, I'm never going to use this as an ice mold. This is, you know, it's just not going to work that way. And I was like, well, what if I made a candle out of it and combine my two of my favorite things, candle making in Dungeons and Dragons and Woodland Dice. And um, yeah, that's what started it all is just a wild hair to turn an ice mold into a candle mold. <laughs> going to go completely off topic here yeah. uh, because I'm uh, going to geek out about this a little bit. Other than COVID hitting, mm-hmm. were you still doing theater? I am not now. I... When I had my kids, it and I, I've got a 16-year-old and 11-year-old, um, and I tried to keep up with theater and things like that, community theater, you know, and everything, but it it just took a lot of time away from my family and because it's a commitment. You have to you have to be there for rehearsal. You have to, especially if you're directing or something, you have to, you know, so it's gone evenings, gone weekends, and it was just taking too much time away from them. So I haven't done theater in good, gosh, uh, see, it's 2020. So at least six, five or six years now. But one day when the kids are older and out of the house, I hope to play around in it again. <laughs> I actually get that uh, completely. So the reason I ask is I, I guess I have to use the term used to be, even though I still mm-hmm. am at heart. I used to be a stage manager. Um, oh, were you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Stage managers are great. I love them. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, we could talk about that all day, but yeah. <laughs> on topic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So you started making these really cool candles for theater, and then you got this ice mold uh, that's in the shape of a D20. Are you still using that same ice mold? I'm not. On a whim, like I just, I shared it in a D&D Facebook group or something like that. Like, look at this cool thing I made. And people really liked it and wanted it. And I was like, oh, I could do a thing with this. Okay. So I started looking for more of the Think Geek molds and I couldn't find any. Like there are none anywhere. So, but I was able to find old um, loot crate molds like on eBay and stuff like that. So I switched over to those and that's what I use now. Okay. Uh, how many molds do you have? I want to say 14 right now. Yeah, I think I've got 14 molds right now. And then we're actually, I'm working on though creating um, a set of my own molds um, just because it's the loot crate, the loot crate molds have gotten incredibly expensive and harder to find. If I can make my own, then I've got my own design, my own candles and I can reproduce them as far as the molds go. So that's my big project this year. I started working on it last year, but going through a few different makers for masters didn't work out, but I finally have a master for um, a five inch D20 that could fit a whole set of dice inside that um, I'm in the current process of sanding down and getting ready to go. And then we bought a resin printer so I can make more in the same size of candles I'm making now, but do the whole polyhedral dice set. So those are my two, that's my big project this year is switching over to my creation and, and exclusive use of my own molds. That's really cool. How long does a mold typically last? A long time. I'm still using the first Loot Crate molds that I purchased. Um, and I got those in 2019. No, 2019. Yeah, April of 2019 is when I first started doing the D, doing the D20s, and I'm still using the same molds. I mean, I've added more to them, but the first ones, yeah, are still in use. So, okay. So, is yeah. the difference uh, that they're different sizes, different shapes? No, they're all the same. Um, they're all, I only have the one shape right now because that's all they ever produced. Um, so that's another reason why I'd like to move on to my own mold and create my own masters and such is because then I can do other shapes and other sizes. Because right now it's just all one shape, one size, that's it. And then the creativity has to come, thr- th- come from colors or stripes or painting the candles, you know, that kind of stuff. So you started collecting these molds, um, thought that maybe this could turn into something. Uh, What Mm -hmm. was the timeline from that 
point to actually establishing a store on Etsy? What were the steps that you took? Well, I'd already had a little Etsy store for pillar candles, just for funsies, you know, oh, this would be fun, you know, an excuse to make stuff. And that was... And I established that in, I think, like April of 2018 is when I actually opened it, but never really did much with it except for, yeah, here you go. Here's some listings, fun and games every once in a while. I Every like month or so, two months, I'd get an order. Um, then, oh gosh, um, I want to say it was May of 2019. Yeah, because I've been open for a year. May of 2019 is when I first posted um, the D20 candles. And my first experience experiments with that. And that's when people really started going, oh, I want some of these. I want, these are so fun, you know, and that's when I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got to do something about this. <laughs> so I want to say, and I could be off on my timeline. I am really bad with time. But I think it was in late May, early June is when I listed my first custom candle listing yeah, and then it's been just steadily growing ever since. So, okay. So, do you do more custom work? Do you have kind of inventory in stock? So, most of my work is custom work. Um, what's interesting is because of the amounts in which I have to pour, um, I have to pour a half pound at a time. I can't really go any lower than that without like fragrance uh, load or, you know, the amount of fragrance you put in or candle dye, stuff like that gets really wonky at half pound or less. So every custom order produces a second candle. Um, So if you order, say, a dark red dragon's blood D20 candle, um, I'll pour that and then, but I have to do two at a time. So then that'll be a second one that'll move into my pre-made um my pre-made stock. So that's how I kind of manage my stock is what comes in for customs is what goes into the pre-mates for the most part. Why is it that you have to pour so much at once? Uh, because the measurements of fragrance and uh, candle dye, things like that get really wonky at smaller okay. than a half pound. So in order to make sure that like the candle's not oozing fragrance oil out of out of it basically or that it's a consistent color each time for the most part, um it, ha- it I can't really measure it in less than half pound increments. It's a quality issue. Yeah. So that makes sense. You said that you had already kind of had a little bit of an Etsy shop doing the pillar mm-hmm. candles. Um, why did you pick Etsy to begin with to be your storefront? Ease of use. I was familiar with Etsy and uh, what, you know, that it's a handmade community, which I really liked. Um, Amazon was a little intimidating, you know, Amazon handmade. Plus, I was leery of getting into that so much. Etsy seemed more geared toward handmade artists. so. When I looked at it, it looked like it was it would fit more with what I was wanting to do. Have you been happy with the platform over this time? For the most part, yeah. I have to be really careful in like because trying to get the platform to work for you properly, um, as far as like being found, your SEO and your pictures and all that stuff, you go you can go to various groups to get advice, things like that. But a lot of that can be negative, people freaking out and everything about this or that, you know, just random things. And so you can get caught up in that if you're not careful. But overall, I've been really happy. I've felt that it's really worked well for me and my business model. I am trying to make my own website just because it's a little easier with, I can customize it more to what my brand is and to what um, I want to do with it, but I'm not there yet. It's it's a huge learning curve, and Etsy's just a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely fair. Since this is a businessy type of podcast, I'm going to follow up on that SEO topic that you mentioned. Uh, what kinds of tactics have you developed over the last year and a half ish uh, to kind of start getting some of that traffic towards your shop? Well, as far as SEO goes, for example, um, I use a tool called Marmalade, which helps me pinpoint the correct keywords for my tags and that kind of stuff. 
as far as that goes, that's a really good uh, SEO tool I use. And then a lot of driving traffic to my shop is social media based. So Twitter is the one I'm most active on. I try to keep up with Facebook and Instagram, but it's not as user-friendly for me for some reason. I have a little bit harder time with that, but I still try to keep up with it. I try to post regularly, that kind of thing. I also try to I try to be involved with other makers in the community as far as like doing art trades. I really like to participate in in giveaways like the the you know people who are co- content creators for D&D. I like to donate to those and be a part of that. So I know it's a whole lot of things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How do you feel that, you know, everything's been going so far? I'm really happy with the way things are going so far. Um, I'm really proud of where what we've been doing and where we've been going. My, I've gotten my husband involved in helping me in the production. He is so much more organized than I am. So he helps me keep track of fragrance like my my supply levels um as far as like where my how much fragrance oil i have where my sales are going so that's that part's been amazing that we he and i can work together on this and it's gotten to the point where he can actually stay home so he does all the production not all the production i do some of it but um he's taken over most of the production and then i've taken over most of the product development and then of course you know the the admin stuff so social doing the social media keeping track of sales all that kind of stuff i think that's what you're asking sorry if i went on a tangent no it's great <laughs> <laughs> like that's really cool that he is able so he, he's doing this full time yeah he's doing this full time now oh that's wonderful so yeah it's really exciting you touched a little bit on the design like product side as much as you are willing to share, what does that process kind of look like? Gosh, how do I answer this? Um, <laughs> so before I get into that, my husband likes to say I'm a crazy candle witch because <laughs> I am very just all over the place. But a lot of it just comes from things I see on you know social media. Like I happened to be browsing Pinterest and I saw painted candles. So I decided that I was going to see how that would look on my D20s, painting flowers on it and doing cell shading. And, you know, I think I have nebulas, things like that. So now I have painted candles that as I produce them, I'm, I, li- I list them like I'm gearing up for another set of painted candles to be ready in time for Valentine's Day. And then another time, uh, it's just kind of looking at what scents, browsing my fragrance oil suppliers and seeing what scents look really, really good and what I can do to fit the theme of the season. So uh, like for Christmas time, I wanted a bunch of Christmassy scents and I found a mold cider fragrance and then I had a Merlot fragrance. So I combined the two to make Fay wine. So I, it's, it's really random. I'm a mess. (laughs) (laughs) What was your process for kind of figuring out who your suppliers were going to be? So I started off purchasing supplies from a little candle shop in a little historic downtown area, maybe about a, a town over from where I was living at the time. And they had a specific fragrance oil supplier and I they, they were happy to tell me who it was. So I started or- ordering from them and I love them to death and I still use them. They're fabulous. And then I started looking for, once I moved and I couldn't get my wax and I couldn't get my, my Vibar and my other, my wick and stuff like that from this little, ca- this little candle shop anymore. I had to start looking elsewhere and that's where I found Candle Science, I discovered them for wax. So I, st- I started ordering from them and then checking out their fragrances. And then I found another fragrance oil supplier that I really, that lots of people recommended. So I'm like, oh, I'll try one or two of those and see how that works. And they had a, they had a range that Welling, that my original supplier Wellington doesn't have. So now I use a mixture of 
Flaming Candle and Wellington fragrances. And it's worked out really well. That's cool. Uh, Do you just have kind of this huge treasure trove of fragrances and just kind of see what hits your fancy that day? It is ridiculous the amount of fragrance oils I have. (laughs) Well, because Wellington, when you order, when you order, you either get three samples with your order and and then over a certain amount you get can get five samples. So I'm like, oh gosh, well I have to get the samples every time because they've got like over 500 cents and I need to smell them all. So I get lots and lots and lots of samples. And then if I'm looking for a specific theme for like a seasonal scent or something like that, then I have to order samples from them. And then I've got ones that I just really love and I wanted to include. And this is why I had 50 fragrances available <laughs> until January. And yeah, I it's ridiculous how many different fragrances I have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to put them all. But um, this January, though, actually, right after the holidays, things calmed down. My husband and I, we went through our fragrance oils and we pared it down from like 54 fragrances down to 32. So it's more streamlined. It's um, it's named better to fit with our D&D theme. And um, I think it's going to be a little easier for people to order from because it's not such an overwhelming amount to choose. So, Yeah, that makes sense. Since most of your orders, you said, are custom, uh, what would you say a typical order looks like? Are people ordering just one candle? Are they getting a set? I'd say mostly it's onesie twosies. And it really pretty evenly distributes between our my regular custom candle, which is just the candle, or the treasure candle with the D20 inside. Yeah, usually it's just a onesie twosie. We have I have seen an uptick in my bundles recently. Um, people are I've got themed bundles that are based on um, the different adventure packs you can get in the player's handbook. So you've got like, you know, your Dungeoneer's pack, your Scholar's pack, your Diplomat's pack. And so those have been uptaking a little more. I think that's because it's more themed to a specific character or a specific character background. So I think that's been kind of fun to have. Can you just talk a little bit more about what exactly is in the bundle? Sure. So every bundle has a list of five D20 candles in a specific color and scent. So like, for example, this adventure pack, you have five candles to choose from. I've got a dark red dragon's dragon's blood, an orange campfire, um, a butterscotch color named Hero's Feast, another one, a black one called Duskwood, so that's more of a foresty scent, and then a lavender one called Lady's Favor, which is more of a creamy vanilla, vanilla type scent. And you can either pick the choose three bundle where you choose three from that list, or you can buy the full bundle, which is all five candles. So this kind of helps if people want more, but are having a hard time deciding of what would pair well together, they can choose from these bundles. And then it's basically narrowed down for them or um, it's all pre-chosen. So just something to make things a little easier. Yeah, and I've definitely noticed that people tend to love class-themed anything. Yes, me too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite custom order that you've ever made that you can think of? Yeah, um, actually, this was um, this was a really fun one that came in. Someone asked for, oh gosh, it was it's a comic book character. Hellboy had asked for a Hellboy themed D20 candle because they really liked Hellboy and they liked D&D. So they kind of wanted a match mashup. And it was really challenging because I had to figure out how to meld these two to still get the the kind of the look of Hellboy, but in a D20. So with back and forth, with talk, I got to really talk with them on what they were looking for. So what I ended up doing is doing um, a campfire. It's a it was a red on top, black in the middle, and then red on the bottom, layered D twenty, and then the red part was campfire. I want if I recall correctly, and the black layer was a different scent. So, but it all melded together in that. And then what I ended up doing is painting cracks and crags on the candle itself. So it kind of 
fit the theme of, you know, Hellboy's horns, how they're, they're cut off and they've got those cracks and crags in there. So it pulled that into it and made this theme. I think that was my most fun because it was really challenging to try to meld those two really disparate things in kind of a abstract way, but still get the, get the, uh, the hint of it, you know? So it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun to do. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Do you offer the option to do multiple colors in a candle or are they usually just one color? Generally, they're just one color. I am working on an add-on to do la- to offer layers as like, so you buy the candle and then for an additional charge, you can get layers just because layering is a lot more labor intensive. So for example, I can do two batches of 12 of, you know, of the regular D20 candles in a day and get those going in and out. A, but if I'm doing layers, that's going to take me all day to do. So, so while I can do it, it's, it, it has a huge impact on production and how many people I can serve. So I will be adding an add-on to it, but I'm not quite there yet because I haven't quite figured out the pricing for it and how to, you know, to balance that as far as like how much, t- how much, how labor intensive it is versus the solid colors. Yeah, that makes sense. How long does it take to make? On average, on average, um, a regular D20 takes about four to five hours. Uh, that's after the wax has been melted in the cauldron, it's ready to go start your timer to pulling it from the mold and it's ready. And that does not count painting it, cleaning it, flattening it, all that stuff afterward. That's all post. So, but to pour the candle itself, it's about four to five hours. Is most of that just letting it set? Yes. So when you're doing it, you have to let it set for a certain amount of time and then do a repour because paraffin wax sinks. So basically as, as it cools, it shrinks and you end up with these deep like dips in the, in the, um, in the top where you were pouring. So you have to come back and do a second pour or a third pour depending on the cooling rate. So temperature has a big effect on that. Um, ambient temperature, I mean, soy wax is a little different. It behaves differently. A lot of times those are single pour, but that's used more f- as far as I've seen is works better in containers. So it doesn't really fit for my purposes. So yeah, it's a lot of setting time. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's really cool. Yeah. Definitely a noob when it comes to making candles outside of, yeah. I think, some experiments when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a question that I just really like to ask everybody. What okay. would you say has been the most challenging part of running the Fabled Flame so far? Organization. <laughs> Organization is my nemesis. I am not organized at all. So for me, that's that's really hard. I um, It's a lot easier for me to just kind of flip from thing to thing to thing and whatever strikes my fancy. And I'd also say learning how – the other thing is learning how – to interact with people online. A lot people scare me. So for so it's really hard for me to respond to comments or go and comment on somebody else's tweet or you know Instagram. I freeze and I have a really hard time talking to people. So the marketing acts aspect besides the organization, marketing is really hard for me just as on a social level. Honestly, that is okay. Like social media can be very challenging, even for yeah, even for people who do love to put themselves out there and are way more extroverted Mm -hmm. than I am. It's (laughs) yeah, it can be tricky, especially with the landscape changing every day. It seems. (laughs) Yeah, but but I'm really proud of myself because I'm I'm doing it as much as I can, and I've actually I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And so if I can keep doing that, hopefully one day I might not be totally comfortable with it, but at least more confident in it. So that that's my goal. That's a great goal. Since the first thing that you mentioned was organization, uh, and I know that you mentioned earlier that your husband has been helping out a lot with that side of the business of just keeping mm-hmm. all of that organized. But what kinds of tactics are you taking to combat the fact that that is a challenge for you? Uh, lots of notes. So, um, and also actually printing out orders is a big one for me. My husband helped me come up, 
um, came up with a system that um, we print out our orders depending on how busy we are, but usually Mondays and Fridays. And then what we do, we keep those out and ready to go. So as we complete orders, we put candles with that specific piece of paper. And that way we don't lose track of anything as far as orders go. Also keeping a schedule. So for instance, like I said, Mondays and Fridays, we print out orders. We try to, on at least on Wednesdays, we try to sit down and really map out how the rest of the week is going to go as far as like going into the weekend. You know, looking at, uh, we also try to schedule at that time when I'm going to take time for my experiment stuff. So that's like, you know, working with, I guess, setting aside time for R&D, basically. Also going over any specialty candles that need to be poured, because I do those on the weekend. So that's anything with layers, um, special inclusions, special projects as far as like painting, doing the painted candles. We try to map that out on Wednesdays. And then we also will go over like anything that needs to be ordered. He he keeps track of track of what needs to get ordered. Um, so I don't have to do that. And he, so, and so we have our inventory levels as far as supplies go, we go over that and I'm, I place the orders, that kind of stuff. So it's a, a lot of working together to kind of combat that. And he helps keep me on track. So. Yeah. It's funny. I, one of my old jobs through uh, full time was that I actually helped run the fulfillment department at a small company and so just hearing you talk about, okay, we print out every order and then we put the inventory like with that piece of paper. Like That's exactly mm. what we did. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. So I'm doing something right. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it just helps with verification all the way. It keeps things from For getting sure. lost. So definitely. Um, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, okay, this, what is this? Yes. Okay, good. I know what this is. This is correct. <laughs> uh, so. so you, do you have kind of an office space or a part of your home that's just dedicated to keeping all of your inventory in or is it kind of spread out? Like, what does that look like? Um, It's all in one space. It's actually, it's taken over my dining room. That's our candle creation area right now. The next time we move, um, probably after COVID, um, one thing we're specifically going to be looking for is one where we can dedicate a space like a shed or something like that and turn that into a workshop because right now, yeah, it's my dining room and then it's bled a little into my living room as far as like, I've got this, this nice shelving unit that has been, used to be for knickknacks and books and all sorts of things and storing D and D stuff. And now it stores candles. (laughs) So (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, that that's my dream is to move out of the house and into an actual workshop. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who needs a living space? Right? No one needs a dining room. What? <laughs> a living room. It's fine. Yeah, my dining room table's in my living room now. <laughs> so does that mean that your dining room smells like I think you said you narrowed down to 30 something uh since? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I've had like We've had, you know, before um, quarantine, everything, we'd have people come to the door for whatever. And everyone would say that, like, they could smell or I'd be coming in from home. I mean, from work, coming home and the windows were open, like, in the summertime. And I could smell it all the way at the street. (laughs) So, yeah, there's that. (laughs) And I guess it's permeated me because I come in smelling like different things at work all the time. So I I know I smell good all the time, at least. Yeah. (laughs) So you talked about setting aside some time to do kind of the you know research development. Like how much are you doing like a little bit of that every week? Do you just kind of set some time aside in the month? What does that look like? Is it always scheduled or are you like inspiration hits and you just have to go do something right then? It's a mix. I try, we try to set just because it makes it easier for everything else we have to get done. We do try to set that time aside, but sometimes I just see a thing and I have to do it. Like that's what happened with the painted flower candles is I was like, oh, I have to do that right now. But like the mold making and things like that, which were a little more involved and take a lot more research because I have no experience pouring silicone, for example, that we try to set time aside for on a regular basis, usually on the weekends where I'm, so I'm not coming home burnt from work trying to figure this stuff out. 
if we're not overly busy and it's not holiday season, then yeah, at least a couple hours a week, we're trying to set time aside. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about just the different variety and products that you do have listed on your shop. So we've talked a lot about the D20 candles, Mm -hmm. uh, but can you briefly kind of talk about some of the other items that you offer? Yeah. So I offer pillars still because I still like making pillars. They're fun and I enjoy them a lot. That's actually in the process of changing a little bit. I It's very limited right now and I'd like to expand it to reflect more of the variety that the D20s offer. And I'd also like to start bundling, like doing some sets maybe with a couple of the smaller pillars and then like a couple D20s or something. So that's kind of in flux right now. The next thing is I offer tea lights. Those, I, buying things that smell is really hard over the internet because, well, you can't smell them. So how do you know if you're going to like whatever scent you choose? So I offer tea lights so people can can kind of get a sample so they're not spending, you know, 18, 20 bucks on a D20 or, you know, between 15 and 20 bucks, depending on the side size of a pillar they can have a better opportunity to know what they're getting before they choose something. So I offer tea lights. And then the other thing I offer is wax melts. And the reason I offer those is because no matter how precise we try to get with pouring candles, there's always some wax left over and it just bugs me to waste it. I, 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 I it just drives me bonkers. So I started buying clamshells so that people can, if they don't feel comfortable with a with light, you know, having an open flame in their home, or they're already using, you know, electric wax melt melter warmers, that I could offer that option, and then also not be throwing away wax, you know, the leftover wax. So which which adds up, which adds up quite a bit. I just went through and organized my wax melts and I've got like four totes of them right now. And that's, that's things that could have just been all wasted and thrown away if I hadn't started doing the clamshells. So, and then the last thing I offer that I guess goes in the category of pillars is little votive candles. So, you know, you get those little votive um, candle holders. They're, they're maybe about a couple inches tall. Mm -hmm. Have you seen, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you can't see me right now, but I'm nodding along. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, but so I offer those as well for people who like, you know, don't have a lot of space, um, but they still want something that smells good or the ambiance of, you know, can't, of a glow, they could do something like that. So, and that's also kind of in flux that will be expanding soon as to what I offer just because I'm redoing the pillars anyways. I might as well do the votives too. Yeah, that's really cool. And that makes so much sense on the wax melts. Uh, do, you, do you sell a lot of those? Like, are they popular? Um, they are. Uh, they are. I just happen to produce. They sell steadily. People like them. Um, I try to price them relatively low just because, you know, they are basically leftovers. And they sell pretty steady. They're not nearly. My biggest thing by far is the D20 candles. Um, but I, I get orders for those at least once or twice a week. I'd like to have that a little bit more. I'd like to up that a little bit just because I've got lots and lots of leftovers. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, overall, yeah, it's pretty steady. So I'm really ha- I'm happy with how that's turned out and I'm not wasting stuff. So yeah, that's great. Okay, so we talked about the most challenging part of running Fabled Flame. Uh, so let's flip that around. What's been the most okay. rewarding part? Getting to make, I, I'd have to say, just making the candles. I have it. I am doing something that I have so much fun doing, and finding new ways to be creative with it. And and you know, as if it's from. Um, layering to painting them. I'm actually, my husband and I are working on an experiment right now with wax pouring to see if we can find a way to meld two different colors together in a blend that isn't just a layer. So something a little bit more creative. I'd have to say that's the most rewarding as far as like just the creativity side of things. And then the other part is just making people happy. 
I'll see, I'll get a review that says like, I got this for my boyfriend who's really into D&D and he loves it. It smells great, you know seeing people write things that it makes them happy or makes their day better that's just really cool (laughs) and i and it makes me i i get that fluttery feeling every time that's awesome (laughs) i like it when people are happy (laughs) yeah yeah it's always a good feeling especially when you're like hey i made that (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) well cool so do you have i mean we've kind of talked a little bit, had some previews of things that you're thinking about doing, but do you have any upcoming projects that you haven't mentioned that you're really excited about? Um, not really. Uh, those are the two big things. And of course I can't keep my mouth shut about them because I'm just so excited. <laughs> yeah. Just expanding the product to the full, the full D20, I mean the full polyhedral dice set, doing more painted designs and then the giant d20 those are the big things i'm working on right now so i'm sure i'll come up with something later in the year so i'll see something go oh i have to do that like right now (laughs) (laughs) fair enough so just kind of looking back over since you started in 2019 is there anything that if you were to start over that you would do differently yeah i think I think I would, I didn't mention this before, I forgot to mention it, is I took a marketing class when COVID hit and we all got shut down. I was out of work. I was like, okay, well, I guess this is my thing. I need, this is going to be my income, so I need to be better at this. I think I would have taken that marketing class right off the bat just to get a better handle on what it takes. I think it would have saved me a lot of grief and time and money in the long run. I think I would have also, let's see. So besides that, I probably would have pulled in my husband a little sooner instead of in a panic. Um, I think I would have just planned it a little better, you know, but I really had no idea what this would be until it was. So I think if I knew about it, I would definitely plan a little better. (laughs) Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, What kind of impact would you say COVID has had on your shop, if any? Um, Huge. I I think it's been pretty big um, as far as as people have moved more toward online shopping for their items. um, I've seen a decided uptick in my sales. So as far as growth, it's had a positive, I hate to say this, but it's had a positive impact on my shop. And I feel really bad about saying that. But on the other hand, it's also meant that I have to be able to, I'd ha- I've had to learn to be able to pivot quite quickly as like at one point before um, one of my suppliers went out of business, one of my fragrance oil supp- suppliers went out of business. I had to find another one. I think I forgot to mention that earlier. So I apologize. I, I didn't think about it until just now, but I had to find something quick because all of a sudden I was going to be out of like half my stock once it ran out. So being able, being able to change quickly, I think has been a big difference, I guess. Supply chains in general, um, increased prices on things, but I've been able to kind of counteract that. Unfortunately, that means I've had to change the pri- my prices a little bit, which sucks. I hate doing that. I hate asking people for more money. So I think, yeah, that's that's it. If that made sense at all, I kind of rambled there. So yeah, that made perfect sense. Okay. You know, one day when we are allowed to go back out into the world, would you ever consider going to conventions or fairs or kind of selling? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I got all excited. Um, because I was scheduled. I was going to do my first con. That was another <sighs> thing that got impact. I was going to do my first con. I'm in Spokane, Washington. So I was going to go to Lilac City Comic Con. And now I can't. And I'm sad um, <laughs> that we couldn't do it. But hopefully, you know, 20 Lilac City Comic Con in 2021, I'll be able to do it and see how that goes. See if people are into it. Um, my dream is to be able to say go to Emerald City Comic Con or, you know, one day this is like super dream, like pinnacle of this probably will never happen. But if it does, it'd be so awesome. I'd love to go to San Diego Comic Con and have a booth there. I 
yeah, I like cons a lot and I miss them <laughs> so much and I'm very sad. <laughs> I, I feel you. I uh, was definitely looking forward to going to a lot more this past year than I ever had in a single year before, but it's, it's fine. Oh, that was another one. PAX East. I want to go to PAX East or PAX Unplugged or, you know, or, or, um, the, the one in Illinois where Gary Gygax is that one. Um, I can't remember the name of it now because I'm too excited. Gary Con? (laughs) Is it Gary Con? I am that dumb. Okay. So that's a thing. (laughs) I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what it is. (laughs) It sounds right. So, um, but yeah, so Eventually, someday, I'd love to start going just making the rounds. I would love to be able to just quit my job and just do the con circuit. Mm, yes. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. That's we know your long term goal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? People can find me at Etsy.com slash shop the fabled flames or at craft candles on Twitter or the underscore fabled underscore flame on um, Instagram. Apparently I'm really into making things as complicated as possible. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and I really appreciate it. This was cool. That's it for today's episode of Roll, Play, Grow. To check out the show notes, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave me a review. Reviews are one of the best ways to help a newer podcast get up off the ground. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at WCR to see me tweet about other things like my dog and world of work. You can also find us as Lightheart Adventures on both Instagram and Patreon. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week on Role Play Grow.